Come on in, sit back, relax, and listen to episode 161 of the Wolf Tech Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz, founder of Ezra Group Consulting. And this podcast features interviews, news, and analysis on the trends and best practices all around wealth management technology. Our topic for this month is navigating new markets, where we speak to wealth tech executives on how they made the move into a new market or a new client segment, such as moving from the REA market to broker-dealers or vice versa. We chose this topic because at Ezra Group, we work with a lot of wealth tech vendors who are entering new markets and need our advice and guidance to help them be successful. I was excited to speak to today's guest, Ryan George, Chief Marketing Officer for DocuPace. Now, Ryan has spent his entire 15 years, uh, 15-year career within the financial services industry, working with stakeholders from across the advice landscape. Ryan joined DocuPace in September 2020 from First Global, where he was Vice President of Marketing and Communications. Now, First Global is a wealth management provider to CPA firms. And during uh, his tenure there, Ryan spearheaded the company's lead gen efforts, boosted his brand among key stakeholders, and contributed to double-digit revenue growth. Ryan is also a finalist, or was also a finalist, for WealthManagement.com's Broker-Dealer Chief Marketing Officer of the Year Award in 2019. He is a Forbes Communications Council member and was chair of the Financial Services Institute Marketing, Growth, and Development Council. Super excited to have for you to hear this interview with Ryan George. But before that, if your company has a software product that you're selling to RIAs, broker-dealers, asset managers, or other firms, and you're looking to change markets or just expand your existing market, go to our website, ezragroupllc.com, and fill out the Contact Us form. Our Wealth Tech Research team can deliver a wide range of market insights for you, including competitive analysis, addressable and obtainable market estimates, sales targeting, and insights on buying decisions and more. Every Wealth Tech vendor needs this kind of data to be successful, especially when entering new markets. And you can start the process of getting going by going to EzraGroupLLC.com. And before I first play on this interview, please subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. All right, now let's kick this thing off. I'm excited to introduce our next guest on the program. It is Ryan George, Chief Marketing Officer for DocuPace. Ryan, welcome, man. Hi, Craig. Hey, thank you for having me over today. I'm glad I could fit into your schedule. You've been all over the place. You're just back in the office uh, the first time. I have. I've been bouncing from coast to coast. It's been um, tiring, but it's been great to see um, you know friends from all different uh, firms and different fintechs as well. And you just came back from Future Proof. How was that, man? I do. The tan shows that I've been outside in the sunny, the sunny skies of Huntington Beach. But Future Proof was great. It was, you know, the first time they've run that event. Um, they did some things differently that I think really helped get engagement from the audience. And, you know, we were really excited to be a part of it this year. We'll continue to be a part of it four years to come. Excellent. Yeah, I'm sorry I couldn't be there. I wasn't feeling too well. But I'm glad they, they went off without a hitch and, and it's all the, all the good social media from that conference. It was uh, definitely good to see people trying something different. Yes, right. sir. So speaking of something different, we are going to try something different here. Uh, our topic for uh, this podcast, or this episode rather, is uh, moving markets, changing client segments, what it's like, uh, tips and, and best practices around um, changing markets or moving into different markets uh, as DocuPace has recently done. And so we're going to talk about that and how you guys um, expanded from the um, 
the broker dealer space into the RA space. And full disclosure, uh, Ezra Group helped you guys do it. We were happy to do that. Great, great, we're working with you as a client. So we're going to talk a bit about some of the reasons, some of the things that uh, to help you, best practices, tips and tricks, and insights. So let's start off the first one with um, the challenges. Can we talk about some of the challenges you ran into moving into a new market? Sure. I think, um, you know, moving into a market for DocuPace was um, a big project that we wanted to make sure we were doing right. So DocuPace is a 20-year-old fintech, so we offer back office technology. Um, we do back office, um, you know, we, we take well, everything from opening an account to processing paperwork uh, forms to, you know, moving that into the custodian and taking and taking that information from the CRM. That's a big part of, of connecting that in that tech stack together is what DocuPace does. And we have historically worked within the IBD space. So we've worked with the advisor groups, the Cetera's, the Avantaxes, the, the larger, um, larger IBDs. And what we noticed a couple of years ago was, hey, you know, we really think we can add some value to the RA space. And so the challenges there were, A, um, what do we do today that is valid? So identifying sort of, you know, how can we make, um, you know, make what we do more, you know, enticing to that marketplace. But also how do we communicate it when they, may see us, you know, having the history that we have, they may see us as, um, you know, X, when we really are, or could be Y to them. So that would be the first challenge is how do we message or enter the space? Yeah, there's so much around that and, and understanding your value um, in, the, in, the, in your other markets and then how you convert that value to the new market. But I think one of the areas that you had mentioned to me that was a, a huge benefit or huge value was never assume you know the new market as well as you do, right? So you really need to understand you, you don't know everything. Right, you don't know everything. And I think that that's something that we, um, you know, when you have a long time working in a market, I think, especially within like sort of the, the independent broker dealer space, all of those people are duly registered advisors. They have their own RA. So you think you know that market, but sometimes they process a little bit differently. And what we really identified was, Okay, where is the complexity in their business and where can we attack that and help help them overcome that challenge? And I think that's something that we dove into because it's not just naming conventions. It's not just, you know, commissions versus advisory advisory payouts or advisory fees. It's more about sort of what's a centralized office versus a home office, sort of um, how does the who does the work inside an REA versus who does the work inside of, uh, of uh, IBD. And I think identifying those things and then figuring out how you can map your solutions or map your capabilities to solve those challenges, I think is a good exercise to start. Um, but it really starts by asking questions about sort of how do these how do these different types of firms, while they're in the same space, offer a similar type of value set, uh, but may operate much differently. And another area, another um, best practice is besides not assuming, uh, is getting a third party to help validate what assumptions you do have and. Sure. What you guys did is come, came to Ezra Group as the third party. Yeah, and we looked, I mean, that's one of the things that I think Ezra Group really came in handy on is helping challenge our assumptions um, that we may have about the marketplace. Um, really giving a good competitive intelligence set as far as who's serving that, who may be serving that marketplace today and what they are offering and what some of our opportunity sets may be. And I think that's a big, uh, that's a big benefit because you need to understand you know, who are you competing against? Because often you're, you're competing against a different, when you're in a new market, you're competing against a different competitive set than you may be competing with today. And I think um, 
with Ezra Group, I think one of the things that they really did is help us get our own house in order and sort of having them ask the questions, well, you know, why are you entering this market? How are you trying to enter this market? And getting our teams aligned where we may have thought people were more aligned than they were, but once the, you know, a question is asked or something, you get two or three different answers and, and sort of having Ezra Group sort of be that third party, that sounding board, and really pointing out sort of where discrepancies may be or where gaps may be and what the offering set is, is uh, I think was critical path for us in terms of uh, developing a right solution. And that is so common with clients you work with. It's not just Occupace. Everyone does the same thing. When you ask a group of executives, why are you doing this? Whether it's moving to a new market, launching a new product, uh, whatever it is, you go. You wind up getting four different answers. So it's just four people in the room. And that's part of the value of asking these questions and getting everyone on the same page. Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, like most companies that have a lot of opinions, some of them are backed up by facts, some of them are just backed up by emotion. So really sort of putting that second camp to the side and really going to the facts of this is the experience I have in the marketplace. These are, this has been what I have seen in the marketplace and here's where it is, you know, can you can you respond to that? At least tell me, uh, validate that, that, for, that fact for us, I think is important. Um, but it is also just good to have a third party opinion. You know, we, um, we often can sort of not only um, drink our own Kool-Aid, but maybe have a drink a little bit too much of our own Kool-Aid in terms of not understanding what our product could do um, to the, and how that's communicated to the marketplace, I think is important. And then also, I think working with a third party like the Ezra Group is really important to see how does the market see us? So we may see us a certain way, um, but having them sort of cipher how the market sees us and how we need to maybe message around that or attack that message, I think is an important part of that process as well. That is a benefit of bringing in a third party uh, who is objective to, to say, hey, how are people, how do people see us? Because you might say yep. how your clients see you or how you think they saw you. But again, you you guys have so, have had so much success in the market over a long period. Uh, the people who may have who may have first purchased your product uh, aren't the same people who are at the company now and may see the way your product works differently or see your value differently. It, and you know what's interesting when you bring in a third party, um, there's that you sometimes sometimes you'll have a company reject that right so they'll reject the third party opinion coming in saying well we already know this what do we need them for and so sometimes you have to battle a little bit to say okay open your mind open open what your thought can be and listen to that kernel of what they're saying that is different than what you may think and i think that takes time it takes some people sort of approaching with the right attitude and that's something that i would say looking at the start of a project i recommend somebody really understanding and communicating why are we bringing in a third party? What the, what role they're trying to play? Because they're, the third party like Ezra Group and like you, Craig, are gonna challenge a lot of the stuff that we think to be true. It's not because you don't agree, but you're challenging it to make sure that we, it's sort of steadfast in our approach. And we it really is something that's entrenched in our, what we're trying to do. And I, I think that that's something that people may not always see when bringing in third parties that they wanna, uh, they just want them to tell them yes to everything they say. and that's. That's really not a valuable, I mean, that's a that's a paid yes man or yes woman, and that's probably not going to get the most value for the firm. One of our favorite expressions is, we get paid to tell you your baby's ugly. <sighs> Luckily, our baby wasn't too ugly, but yes, <laughs> I, 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 I get what you're saying, yes. You had a nice baby, right? But we do, we tell, we do tell other companies when their baby is ugly, and it's, sometimes it's the first time they've heard that. Um, so that it is a bit disconcerting. Especially with people, you know, with technology, and I found this, um, it, you know, I spent my career in the broker-dealer space, in the mutual fund space, moved over to the fintech space about two years ago. And what I found is these people, you know, their blood, sweat, and tears are into these products. They have worked a long time building them. 
and they're, they're very held, closely held to, to the vest and held to the heart. And I think sometimes they don't want to hear or that it may not function as they hoped hoped it would. Um, and I think that that's something that you know just it's part of the business in nature and sort of how you communicate within the, the tech space. Cool. So the next challenge that I want to bring up is uh, avoiding moving too fast. Can you talk about why that's important? You know what you want to move fast? Isn't move fast and break things? Why would you avoid moving too fast? Yeah. So, I mean, I think as a marketer, you sort of look at, uh, there's sort of two scenarios. One is the first mover advantage is going to give you a huge advantage on the marketplace. Meaning I, if all I have to do is say this first and it's going to, you know, enter the market first and I'm open my door, everything's going to come my way. Or you're sort of the right mover advantage, which is when I enter the market, it's going to be entered the right way and people are going to see it as an optimal solution. I think what happens a lot with people trying to be first is they sort of announce something that they believe they have, but they don't, or they want to have, but they don't. So you'll see it a lot in technology announcements. They'll, they'll make an announcements and say, hey, we have this new platform, it does X, Y, Z, and they haven't actually built it. They're just saying it's built and they're waiting for a customer to come pay for them to build it. And I think that that sometimes can lead to a bad connotation, uh, false starts in, in product development, um, and all sorts of sort of negative effects towards revenue, negative effects towards growth. So I think that's why maybe moving too fast isn't the right thing. I think within the RA space, um, it's really interesting because it's a very disaggregated market. There's you know thirty thousand plus RAs in this in this country, um, but so there you know you, there isn't while there isn't one shot to get inside the RA market. They do talk, um, and so there is a grapevine among those RAs where there's, um, you know, you can communicate quite frequently. And so I think being careful how you approach it. So when somebody says, "Oh, well, we tried them, and they completely lied to our face, so they completely oversold what they could do," that's what we want to stop, but that's what we want to prevent from happening. So that's why moving too fast can actually, um, you know, it could cause some. Internally, you're going to get that. Internally, you know, you have a sales team who wants to move fast. That's their job. I appreciate that. Sometimes. It's not always fun to hit, tap the brakes, but I think if you really have one chance to sort of open the door, show up to the party and become the starlight, I think, you know, you really want to be, you uh, do it the right way. Announcing a product that doesn't exist. We used to call that freezing the market. Freezing the market, yep. And it happens, it happens more, more I, I, I see probably at least one announcement of, um, every week or two where like that product doesn't exist. They're hoping it exists. It's in it's in ideation and maybe they have a BRD for it, but it isn't built. It isn't functioning. It isn't in use today. I was just talking to, I just dropped in a podcast uh, today uh, from John Rajesh uh, from LPL Financial, who's in charge of their technology partnerships. And I asked him, what's the biggest problem you have with, with vendors? And he said, vaporware <laughs> was the number one problem, right? Companies saying they got something and they just don't have it. So the, the, the such becomes it's becoming almost an epidemic. Yeah, I think at DocuPace, um, you know, we our sales approach has has been, you know, I can't speak for how it's been the entire 21 years, 20 years of the company, but I think at least the past couple of years, we've tried to really narrow the gap between um, how things are demoed, how things are sold, and how they're delivered to make sure they're in a narrow set. And I think. Um, while some things in implementation don't always maybe take a little longer to implement or may take a little be a little bumpier, um, I, I do feel confident in the way that we're positioning ourselves within um, within the marketplace because I do think there's that gap between. Uh, I sometimes feel like sales can sell a dream state, um, and then implementation sort of provides a real state, and there's a huge gap there. And in the end, nobody really wins. Um, you know, the 
that they, they might get the sale, but it might not be a long-term client. The delivery team gets frustrated, the client gets frustrated. And I think that's, it's just, it's something that's, um, it's not just FinTech, it's all over the place. And I think, you know, if we're protected of what DocuBase is and the people um, who are doing the work behind the scenes, we wanna make sure that we sort of keep that again in the narrow band as possible. At Ezra Group, we tell our broker dealer, asset manager, RA clients, don't believe the hype from vendors. Yeah, when I was at the uh, event, uh, I won't say which event or who was speaking, but um, there were a number of people who were demoing technology and every single one was the most, you know, transformational, revolutionary, it's going to change everything you do technology. And while, you know, I'm glad they're that proud of what they're building and I'm glad they have that passion behind it. It's also probably not reality of what it's delivering. So technology, you know, this is going to improve your day. It's not going to revolutionize your day or it's going to and you know give you more scale than you have but it's also not going to revolutionize your business that's just not the way it works because there's still going to be humans involved and when humans are involved in things the needle moves a little bit more slowly than i think technology in technology sales and, and marketing and messaging want to believe one of my pet peeves is press releases that say the leading provider of x but every, every press release says the leading provider of X. Everyone can't be the leading provider of X. You've only been in business for two years. You can't be the leading provider of X. They're leading something. It may be leading in X, maybe, you know, two other letters, but uh, yeah, exactly. But also, as I was saying, we tell our, our, our clients, don't believe the hype. Also, our fintech clients, we work with a lot of fintech clients just like DocuPace, you shouldn't believe the hype either from your competitors because they're most likely blowing smoke uh, up their client sets. Yeah, and I think so. DocuPace being in the back office space and operations, you know, we are down in the muck, right? So we are like the grease inside the engine. And, you know, we've been doing this for 20 years. So we have a lot of long term tenure product people who've been building and delivering these things for a very long time. And, you know, they know what I know, which is this is this is difficult. And when people show up and sort of try to make it easy, we know that there's something behind that with that, those words that they're saying, because it's not easy. This isn't, um, you know, just at the future proof event I was just at, every single person that came up to said, you know, the new client, new client onboarding, man, I just, I, I hate the way we onboard new clients. And it's like, you know, they know, they say, they, they, the reason they hate it is because they know it should be easier. They know it's hard and they're trying to figure out a way that we can help them. And that's sort of, you know, that's what DocuBase has tried to step into. But I know our business isn't easy. Um, it, it's never has been easy and likely will never will be just because of the nature of what it takes to get a, to deliver a good experience uh, when opening a client or starting a new relationship. All right, next challenge when it comes to changing client segments, you can't do everything alone. What is it about that that is a problem? How do you avoid that pitfall? Sure, I think, um, you know, when entering a new market, there's a couple of things that I think are both internally and externally. So we talked about bringing in a, um, you know, a consultant like Ezra Group or somebody with some third-party perspective. I think the other key part is also integration partners. So who can you partner with that may already be in that market that can help sort of bring you into clients and sets that already have. So DocuPace has been able to leverage a strong partner network within the, the enterprise software space that have, may already be serving the RAs. And we worked with that to sort of figure out how we can deepen integrations. We recently announced an integration with InvestNet on advisory accounts, um, sort of deepen our integration there. And there's others that are coming with that, um, coming behind that. But 
you know, we know that no technology stands alone in terms of how it delivers, especially specifically to the RA space. So we want to make sure that you can connect, you know, connect to visibility as well. Also, I think who you bring on your project team internally, making sure you have visibility to product to the product team, to the sales team, to to other management. And I think one of the things that was a, a false start, but one of the things I had to reset internally for myself was making sure I maybe went down a level in terms of the level of um, of hierarchy to the people who actually be doing the work to help build this product instead of sort of the bosses. I think the bosses sort of have a viewpoint, but then they, um, you know, they, and they have a valid viewpoint, but they're not the ones who actually have their hands in and know exactly where the hiccup here is or what the opportunity here is. And so I think that's where finding the right project team to, to really roll their sleeves up and build a solution for the marketplace is probably one of the most critical decisions for us. It reminds me of a tip from Jim Collins, good to great, get the right people on the bus, whether they're senior people or junior people or whatever people you need in your organization, you need the right people to make things successful. Yeah, and I think that that's, I mean, while it sounds, um, it sounds like a, a sort of a general guidance, um, I think it, it does actually general guidance that really, you'll really only get to the right team if you really start asking the tough questions, because sometimes it's not even you. Sometimes it's you stepping, like for, for instance, myself, stepping out of conversations that I didn't need to be there for a month or two. So those, the right people could work on those things with the consultants, could work on, you know, building the right materials where I wasn't adding any value. And I think, um, again, that's that's all about sort of having, making sure the right people are working on the right the right piece of the project at the right time. It's all what it's about. Um, another thing we spoke about was, uh, another area we recommend a lot for clients is internal marketing, internal communications plan. Everyone's good at external communications or they're, they're better, but they don't think about internal communications, letting people know what's, what's going on rather than just rumors or just partial information, giving them a heads up as to what's happening so that they're prepared or they don't get take, their expectations don't get out of hand. Yeah, and actually I think that's one of the things if I could go back and do the project a little bit differently, I think I would, I would handle that a little bit differently. I think trying to find the right level of information to keep people, to bring them along the project as we go. Um, but I think because when now sort of we're at, the, so we're at the sort of launch point at the end of the road, I'm having to spend more time catching them up, bringing them up the speed and sort of identifying stuff that gaps that and messaging or gaps in marketing that may not have may existed simply because I just didn't uh, communicate broadly enough as well. Cause I think when you have a big project like a, for entering a new market, you're going to get a lot of interest internally. And if you let people in too early, they're going to get distracted from their day jobs. And, you know, it's something they should really worry about six months from now, not today, but the more they know about it, the more they're going to be interested in it. So trying to find the right sort of way to update them, I think is something important. I think that personally, I learned some right ways and wrong ways to do it. I think I would try to be more transparent as far as what the progress is and what the timeline is because one of the timelines is probably the thing that's changing the most. So target hasn't changed. Um, what we're trying to deliver hasn't changed. What sort of how we're messaging hasn't changed, but sort of when things are ready and sort of what we're doing has definitely changed. And so I think that's something that uh, trying to communicate more broadly, even down throughout the organization. So not, don't think just management, if you really want to take control of the messaging, making sure that all the employees understand why this is big, uh, for us and sort of what the plan is and how we're going to attack it. And more importantly, um, what we need from them in order to be successful. Yeah, getting the right people on the bus also means letting them know what's happening rather than just saying, look, it's coming soon, don't worry. 
let them know here's where it happened, here's where we're going. Maybe we had a setback, here's a setback, so that they understand the realities of things and then letting them know, well, here's how you're going to participate, or it's not going to really affect you. That way they're they're aware of what's going on. Yeah. So if you uh, I'll, I'll, some firsthand experience, if you create a hundred slide deck that has a full deep explanation, don't assume that everybody's going to read and dive into the hundred slide deck. You know, get what create a hundred slide deck, but also turn that into a fifty slide shorter version, and then a ten slide even shorter version for the different people who may have different levels of interest uh, in the project. You sound like a good consultant, Ryan. That's what. That's what hey, it might be in my future. It might be in my future. <laughs> well, call me when you're ready for that. <laughs> All right, so um, another other area. So the last um, comment we have here in terms of moving into new client segments for a vendor is understanding your value. So what value did you derive? Oh, so it's more, so when you're bringing a third party, sorry, I'm reading this wrong. Bringing in a third party like Ezra Group to help you, um, what value did you derive from working with us? And what, what, what would you recommend to other fintechs when they're working with consultants or other people that are helping them in their marketing or their planning, product planning for new markets? Yeah, yes, yeah, so I think the two biggest things is one, um, understanding the competitive landscape. I think um, when you look at a competitor, you are going to look at them through some rose-colored glasses of your own, right? So we're better than them for X, we're better than for Y. But what the, what the, um, what the consultant can do is really say, it doesn't matter what they are delivering, it matters what the market believes they're delivering, and that's what you can be measured up against, right? So there is a difference, uh, often there's a delta there. When you say, oh, well, we're better than X at doing Y, but the market believes that they are better at X doing Y, um, that's something that you need, to, you need to understand and be able to build around or at least mark, message yourself around. So I think that's something that a third party like Ezra Group is really, help, really helpful with because um, we don't spend as much time on our competitors, or at least looking at the sort of overall landscape um, that we, that a, a consultant would be. Um, and then on the third side is really making sure to ask the tough questions. So making sure that they can ask, ask questions, say, well, do you, do you really believe that? And sort of finding the, um, the deltas in what people say. So if they ask three people a question and three people give answers that are somewhat dissimilar for each other, sort of, you know, helping arbitrage those to make sure that they understand hey, this is where your gaps in this question is. We need to get these people on the same page. So I think that's a huge benefit from a third party. My favorite, one of my favorite phrases around this is perception is reality. What clients perceive is their reality. You may be, you may have a much better product. You, mu you may have much better technology, but if the perception in the market is the opposite, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and I think something that's hard to internalize, um, when, especially when you, again, when you hold something close to your vest in terms of you really care about a project product and you're passionate about it, um, you know, you want to say, well, you scream, well, we do this better than them, but it does. And I want to say sometimes it doesn't really matter because that's not what the market perceives. And so trying to find those, the way between those two um, is important, specifically when you're introducing a new capability that, that's not something that you have done before. Or, um, you know, we all have, again, 20-year-old fintech, we have a sort of a reputation that may precede us, you know, supplanting that reputation and introducing exactly what we can do um, takes a lot of work and also takes a lot of unified messaging um, that needs to be, you know, developed um, and delivered. Exactly. It's having better technology and the, the, vent, the, uh, the market not knowing about it is a long-term marketing strategy. You need to let people know, uh, get the message out there, 
that you have better technology and here's why, if that's even important. Sometimes the specific technology you have isn't as important as the client experience, the workflow, the configuration, the price, the integration capabilities. All and, and, and every client is different. Some clients may say, well, we only care about your technology. That's the most important part. Others may say, well, we're more concerned about how well you integrate with the other tools we have. And other ones might say, well, you only care about your user experience. So it's 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 different for each client. Yeah, and I think um, that's a really important point because I think when entering a new market, you need everybody behind it, right? So like think of the um, the Pied Piper and with the parade behind everybody following the Pied Piper down the street. Um, the, the fallacy sort of in that, that story is um, how long it takes the Pied Piper to get everybody behind them, right? So it's not easy to get that course behind, you know, following in, following in line. I think that's the part that when I say move, you know, be careful moving too fast, that's something that can happen where um, you go too fast and people are delivering it in a different way. They're going after different targets. Or, you know, worse yet, you know, they may share to themselves, ah, I don't really believe in what we're doing here. And that gets that gets out to the marketplace and that, that you know, there's dissension there. Um, be, and it's not because they don't believe um, in what the, you know, that the, the company can add value to a specific target set. It's that they just don't understand why they're going after them. And I think that that's something to combat as well. Indeed. And uh, I, wanted, I wanted to touch on another area for internal um information and internal communication, DocuPace has done a number of M&A deals this year. How do you uh, internally communicate those? Now, this isn't necessarily on, on the topic, but you talk about internal communication. What's some of the, the um, some tips you or some advice you'd give about interne- uh, internal communications for upcoming M&A deals? Yeah, I mean, th- those those could be a huge challenge. I think um, those I'd like to think those maybe like layers of the onion, right? So internally, so our CEO, David Nock, uh, and our board, um, which in, involves in, involves our president, founder, Michael Pinsker, and other members from FTV Capital, they really are sort of the tip of the spear in terms of M&A conversations. They'll go, you know, go through any handful of conversations um, with the company before, before we, anybody else has ever brought it. And I think they're sort of have a discussion before like, hey, well, let's explore this. And so when that may happen, then there's a broader set of executives or product team or due diligence teams that come in to make sure that um, everything that, you know, kick the tires, look under the hood, kick, you know, kick over the rocks that's possible. The challenge in that is if you, you know, a lot of times these M&A deals don't go through. Um, there's a thousand reasons why. Sometimes, you know, it's something that we could walk away. It's something that another team, another, the other group could walk away, a third party could come in. I mean, those are just two examples of, of what can happen, two or three examples. So you don't want somebody to get excited about it because it becomes a distraction from their day job. And I think anytime you're introducing something new or a company is about to sort of um, go in a different direction or launch something, you know, the, the sequence in which you let people in is always going to be a real challenge because everybody is going to want to know the most amount of information available at the earliest amount of time. And sort of the, so there you have that dynamic tension between I want the information and I want it now but they may not need it now, um, A, because it may not happen, and B, uh, it doesn't really affect them until a later date. And so I think trying to keep that close to the vest, and then, you know, there's the, the big sort of, not something that is the necessarily concern of doggy base, but then there's also letting it get out, right? Because the more people who know, the more likely that, can, that information can, you know, can get leaked, even accidentally, because um, you never know who knows what. So, you know, that's something that we have to keep very close to the vest. Our CEO, David, does a really good job of, 
um, bringing people in as the appropriate time frame. And I think, you know, while um, well, we may be close and I may want that information, I do know that, you know, just because I want something doesn't mean I need to know it at the time. And I, always, I feel confident that I'll get brought in um, at the appropriate time. And Ryan, we are out of time. You've said it all. Can you tell everyone listening where they can find more information about DocuPace? Sure. We have lots of fun content at www.docupace.com. We have a monthly newsletter. It's not a sales pitch. It's all about market research. It's some cool piece of research from third parties that I find um, that, that I find throughout the internet through, you know, from the Schwabs and Fidelities and such. But go to DocuPace.com. You can look under resources and you'll find blogs, uh, downloads, all the sorts of fun stuff that we have out there. Ryan, thanks for being on the program. Thank you, Craig. Appreciate it. Hey, it's Craig again. Here are my top three takeaways from this episode. Number one, don't assume you understand the new market you're going to. It's always more complicated than you think. I can tell you from experience, working with many, many vendors who are moving into new markets, new client segments, they just really don't know what they don't know, which is one reason why they come to us. You have to test your product. You have to get third-party validation and basically get your own house in order before you go there and then know why you're doing it, why you're going to this market and understand all the pitfalls and things you need to watch out for, which is a great reason why you should contact Ezra Group. Number two, avoid moving too fast until you're ready. That was a great point that Ryan made. Take the time to build the right solution. This is something we helped uh, DocuPace with. We always spent a lot of time with their product team going through what was the right solution. Don't just throw something out the door. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're a startup, you want to do an MVP. Sure, you throw something out the door, see what sticks. But if you're an existing company, you don't want to put out something that is less than uh, your normal quality. It's going to look bad for your company. And as Ryan said, you only get one shot at making your first impression. Third takeaway, you can't do everything alone. Get the right people involved, as Ryan said, or get the right people on the bus, um, as the famous book said. Um, make sure you, you push information out internally, show your progress, let everyone know what's happening. Um, don't just say it's coming soon. Find the right balance between informing everyone and distracting them from their day-to-day -day tasks. So that's it. You made it to the end of another episode of Wealth Tech Today Podcast. Thanks for listening. Please go to our website, EzraGroupLLC.com. Scroll to the bottom of the homepage and sign up for our newsletter. Once a month, you receive an email chock full of wealth management goodness, news, analysis, information, links. You will not be disappointed. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you all again next time. Bye.